Welcome to Ennisbrook Church. We hope this message from our sex and location pastor, Jared Lieberzeit, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at ennisbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Um, hey, well, uh, so great to be in church together. If you don't know me, my name is Jared Lieberzeit, and it's my uh, privilege to be uh, on the team as a pastor here for Andersbrook Church. And um, if you don't know, this is our Saxon location. That's what we call it. We have three other locations, four in total. One is meeting in our Hutt City uh, location in Wellington. We have our Nelson City location at the NCMA. And we also have a group of people meeting at, at the Pioneer I think they call it the Pioneer Stadium, maybe even in Christchurch uh, right now too. And a huge welcome to everyone who's online as well. Great to have you with us wherever you're watching from. So one church in many locations today. I, I want to share a thought with you today. And uh, it's a, a simple thought just really off the back of what Graham preached about last week. If you were here, he launched this series or the theme, uh, Discipleship defined and uh, he, he gave a, a great a great message or intro into continuing to unpack discipleship which of course if you don't know what that is it's just this idea that we are all following Jesus uh, we are followers of Jesus and he spoke about um, three key things and if you're here you remember um, the three key things that are from John Mark Homer as uh, the guy's name uh, John Mark two first names it's powerful it's a power move eh? He said, be with Jesus. He said, disciples, they are with Jesus. They, they are like Jesus and they do what Jesus did. And so I thought that today uh, for the second installment of these conversations, which aren't really conversations, are they? But, you know, you can say it's good if you want to or talk back if you need to, um, if it's appropriate, please. <laughs> uh, I thought we'd base today off what I believe really is step one of discipleship, which is, of course, step one according to this guy, John Mark, which is this. Be with Jesus. I thought we'd talk about that a little bit today. And I really feel God actually placed something on my heart today for some people that there's this kind of idea that maybe the, the end goal, end result of following Jesus is that we would be able to do what Jesus did. And that is the truth. But if we want to be able to do what Jesus did, we first have to start being like Jesus. Kind of have to be a reflection of Him. If you want to be like Jesus though, you first have to be with Jesus. You have to be with Jesus. Because how can you replicate something or someone that you've never heard or seen or spent time with? How can you start to act like them? How can you start to reflect them? If the goal is to be like Jesus and to do what He did, then surely we must start today by being with Him. What a simple beginning. I just want to be with Jesus. And that is the goal. Father, I pray that today you would speak to us that this would not just be words off a page, but Lord, it would be your word and that you would speak to every single heart in this room. Pray we would be open. Lord, hearts open to you. Thank you for your presence in this place and what you want to do. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, amen, amen. I, I love this idea of living a life that is truly centered around Jesus Christ, not just centered around church, not just centered around organized events, but I believe that this is more than just church attendance. Just because you found a great church doesn't mean that you're gonna have a great relationship with Jesus. Just because you heard a great 
sermon doesn't mean that you're going to have a great relationship with just because you like the worship team and their style and their swag doesn't mean that you're going to have a great relationship with Jesus Sunday to Sunday Christianity will not cut it it will not cut it it takes more than just watching from afar we have to learn what it is to come close and to come close to the personal presence of Jesus Christ then and only then will your life be changed You're not transformed ever from the outside in. It's not from the external to the internal, but it's transformed from the inside out. You want your life to change. You've got to come close to Jesus. So close that He actually has invaded your life. He is on the inside of your heart. And all of a sudden you start to dress a little bit different. Maybe you start to speak a little bit different. You start to look a little bit different. Hopefully you're not wearing golf pants like this. Okay? But God starts to change you from the inside out. From the inside out, we have to come close to Him. Let me put it this way. Jesus just wants friendship with you. Oh, Jesus is not interested in being a colleague. He's not, he doesn't want to be a colleague. He, he doesn't want to be some sort of acquaintance. He wants to be in close friendship with you. I wonder if um, anyone here has friends that are that close, so close, in fact, in your life, that you've maybe spent so much time with them, you feel like what's theirs is yours. And what's yours is theirs. Like you could walk into their house and you can just turn up at any time. You can eat their food at any time. You know, someone's like, yeah, that's, what, that's my kids. Basically, that's my kids. You can go through their fridge or, or maybe you could just turn up to your friend's house and you can just sit on the couch and kind of just make yourself at home. You could take their money. <laughs> it's like high key friendship, low key theft, you know. I remember it was like this for me when I was young, when I was a kid, I would go to an amazing family, amazing part of our church. I would, I would spend a lot of time at the Langs house. Pete and Cheryl Lang and Adrian and, and Melissa. Um, I wouldn't go there to hang out with Adrian or Melissa. Um, age difference. Um, no, I, don't, I would go to hang out with Brenton. Brenton, the youngest of the three. And uh, I'd go there uh, after school, on weekdays, I'd go there after church on a Sunday, I'd go and hang out there on, on a Saturday, and, and uh, I, I would just spend so much time there. There were a few things I loved about the Langs house that I want to tell you about. Um, the first thing is that they had a PlayStation 1, and um, so I would go, and, and there was this kind of like side room uh, at their house, which was set up with a TV, PlayStation 1, and, and we would play a game called Twisted Metal, um, which I don't know if we should talk about that. It's probably a bad game. But they also had a Nintendo, and we played 007 GoldenEye. Uh, me and Brenton just, just sitting there, just, we're just gaming. And uh, I didn't have actually a console at home because I came from a Christian family, but... <laughs> nah. I got one at one point, um, but it was, just, it was just the best. They also seem to have this unlimited supply of Irvine's mince and cheese pies, right? And so we would just be like sitting for hours playing these games on PlayStation, eating mince and cheese pies. I had another friend, okay, and I'd go to his house and I'd hang out. And it was kind of different there. See, they always had juice in the fridge and I knew there was juice in the fridge. I would see the juice in the fridge sitting on the shelf, but they would only let us have a different type of juice. And I don't know if you've ever heard of this juice. They called it sky juice. (laughs) Sky juice, as in juice that had come from the sky. Rain. Rain, and I figured it out. This is just tap water. I'm like, this is a, this is a bad deal, man. This is a bad deal. <laughs> but you may have friendships right now 
that, that you would consider so close that it's like friends that are almost like family. And yeah, what is theirs is yours. They add a lot to your life right now and you love hanging out with them. And it's like the mince and cheese is well stocked. <laughs> In fact, Alicia, can we have some of that after <laughs> for lunch? But I wanna share today that there's a friendship available for us through Jesus Christ that gives us access to more than just great natural worldly things but that gives us access to the things of the kingdom of heaven. That will go so much deeper that will actually radically change your life from the inside out. John 15 verse 13, Jesus speaking and He says this. This is a key scripture for today. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. In fact, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. This is revelation for someone this morning. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have now made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit and fruit that will last. So whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Jesus says to us this morning, instead, I have called you friends. He doesn't see us as servants or workers. He sees you as friend. Oh, and if you and I could just commit our lives to being with Jesus as a friend, there will be some things that start to happen in your life that don't just fill you up in the natural, but begin to change your life. Things that start to heal you, a work that starts to set you free and starts to set you up for life and life at its fullest. I don't want this morning's message to feel like it's a message all about making sure we have good quiet times. I grew up hearing about quiet times as if they were, as if, as if they were called daily devotions. I wanna talk about just being devoted daily being devoted daily to walking a life with Jesus Christ. Jesus asks us for the devotion. He asks us that we would be devoted to Him. See, being a friend of God, it's not like you're just kind of let off the hook. It's actually a commitment. It's a commitment to be a friend of God. We have to choose a life devoted to Christ. Some thoughts on friends and servants. A friend is still a servant. If you have, if you think of these close friends that you might have, you would, you would do anything for them. You would serve them. Oh, you'd love to help them out. You'd love to come alongside and get involved where they need it. But when you are a servant, just a servant, you're kind of on the outside. When you've been changed from a servant to a friend, you're brought into the inside. You're given the light of knowledge and understanding of Jesus Christ. A friend has access to the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God, in fact, that is behind the commands of God. They are now in fellowship with God. They are more than just the one who only serves, but they have been made an heir with God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. A friend has been born of the Spirit and they are now standing as the dwelling place of the Spirit of God. Servanthood is positional, but God's friend takes a role of privilege and intimacy. As a friend, you're filled with righteousness, you're filled with peace, you're filled with joy, joy of the Holy Spirit. You have power to bring forth fruit, more fruit and much fruit and your fruit shall remain. 
He doesn't call you servant today. He calls you friend. And he chose you and he appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. The saviour of the world, the creator of the universe calls us friend, which by the way, does not take away from his sovereignty and power and his majesty. He is still the God who reigns over all creation. But it just so happens that our God, the one true God, wouldn't see you as a worker or a slave or someone who can just get some stuff done. He just sees you for the relationship and the friendship. He's saying, be with me, be with me, be with me. There is a big difference between a servant and a friend. There is a big difference. See, a servant would have turned up for a day's work, done the work, and then just gone home, left. In most cases, in Jewish context, these servants, I mean, they had these masters, they were owned. It was kind of a title of ownership. Maybe it was a transaction, a price was paid. Maybe there was even a, some sort of wage or something. Masters would look after their servants. They would care for them. They, they had good lives as, as servants, so kind of life was good for them. But the thing about the servant is that the servant had to be there. The servant was owned. A friend chooses to be there. A friend chooses to be there. And I think that's the difference that Jesus is trying to point out in this moment of time, in this scripture, that this whole thing is based off free will. This whole thing is just based off free will. Jesus, in fact, is sharing with his disciples in this moment and he's kind of preparing them because he's one day going to leave. And so he's teaching them about the Holy Spirit and he's teaching them about what's going to happen when he departs from earth and they have to go and, and do their thing. And he's basically just saying to them, listen, when this all goes down, everything's going to change. You're not just servants of some master, but you are friends of an almighty God, if you would choose to be. See, you can serve God out of obligation. You can. Oh, I have to do this. Oh, I went to, I went to every night of the encounter week. Man, I'm amazing. What a win. <laughs> But I kind of had to be there. Well, you know, today I prayed for someone and uh, it was so tiring. But I had to do it and I did it. So go me. I even prophesied over someone today. It's really like, you know, doing the work of the Lord. But now, now my day is done and uh, that's it. Job done. Hope I get a raise. <laughs> <laughs> Serving God out of obligation is what that can kind of look like. You start to have these, as Alicia spoke about a while ago, these kind of grumblings, you know? Mm, yeah, I'll do it, but I don't know if I really want to. Whereas a friend chooses to serve and turns up and then the friend gets the invitation to stay on longer. And there's like, there's like post-work drinks. <laughs> Coke and raspberry. <laughs> it would have been wine, you know, it would have been, it would have been something a little bit more. But th there was, there's this idea that Jesus invites his disciples to now walk out the journey in close connection with him. If we were servants of God and that's all it was, we would be feeling right now the pressing weight of the work that needs to be done to prove that we are worth whatever the payment is. But as a friend of God, we know that we can rest in the presence of God. And there is no weight and there are no chains and there's no restriction. In fact, all the weight has been lifted off. And so you can stop working. Man, you can stop feeling like you just, you got stuff that you have to get done for Jesus so that you can kind of fit in here or you can fit in with Him and you can just turn up and just, and just be. 
You can just be. Takes us to Luke 10, verse 38. Story entitled, At the Home of Martha and Mary. It's a familiar story for many people, but for those that don't know it, let me read it. This is what it says. It says, As Jesus and His disciples were on their way, He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to Him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what He had to say or what He said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, Martha. (laughs) The Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. It will not be taken away from her. Take that, Martha. (laughs) Apply some cold water to those burns. That is, whew, man. Martha invites Jesus into her home. Jesus starts sharing a teaching, and she's busy sorting the house. You know the story. She's, she's got the Dyson out. She's, she's like preparing the table. She's got the 30-second spray and walk away. Psst. I don't know why she'd be doing that. And then she's, she notices who she thinks is just her lazy sister, Mary, just sitting down and sitting down with Jesus. And Jesus is like, Martha, you need to know what you're doing is not as important is not as important as what Mary is doing. In fact, she has chosen what is so much better. The story points out that what Martha thinks is best, Jesus sees as a distraction. So Martha is just sitting with, Je- sorry, Mary is just sitting with Jesus. And I love this image, she's close to Jesus and, and he's just talking away and she's just listening and she really knows Jesus. And that's the best thing for her, is just to be around Jesus. And, and that's, that's the story. That's the moral of the story. Martha is caught up in what I would call servant mode, where Mary is, is really being a friend. I think we can all agree that Mary made the right choice in the story. Oh, she, she's good. 10 out of 10. She's, she's nailed it. <laughs> but I absolutely do believe as well that even though we know what Mary did is the right thing, that sometimes some of us go through life living just like Martha. We just live like We live like Martha. We live much more like Martha. If Mary is kind of the goal, we find ourselves stuck in the role of Martha. I just want to point out a couple of things that Martha did wrong that I think, well, man, they they definitely apply to my life and maybe they even apply to your life. Okay, the first thing is this, and it says it in the text that she was distracted. She was distracted. It says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Don't allow yourself to get so busy doing things for Jesus that you get, you get distracted from being with Jesus or from just being with Jesus. If you do not schedule your time, you will find that you have no time to schedule. This is a matter of priorities. Distract, that's all distraction is, is not having your priorities in line. If we want a deeper spiritual encounter with Jesus, we have to make appointments with Him. God definitely makes appointments with us. Oh, a week of encounter was not a mistake. Oh, we, we didn't just fluke that, but God had something planned for us as a church. And I really believe that the week that we've just experienced, we, we were focused, 
We were just like, God, whatever you want to do, we're here for it. I, I really believe that has changed our church. Not that our church was in a bad way. It was not at all. Churches have always been so beautiful and river of grace is who we are. We've gone from, man, strength to strength and glory to glory. And it's like this incredible journey that we've been on. Our church is built on the foundations of family and connection and salvation and seeking and saving the lost. But there's this new wind of prophetic, this prophetic word that will, I believe, flow through our church. It has been for a long time and it will not just be pastors but it will be every single one of us operating in the prophetic gift. It's not just for the prophets, by the way. Prophets can teach prophecy, but every single one of us has the ability to prophesy and to encourage and to bring out words of knowledge. But we made this schedule and an appointment to meet with God and He turned up. It's like if you want a healthier body, you have to schedule exercise. Oh, if you want a better relationship with the people that you love, you have to make a time to meet with them and to not be distracted from that. Psalm 86 verse 11 says this, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Give me an undivided heart. Give me an undivided, I think some of us live right now with such a divided heart, we don't know which way we want to go. Distraction really is just being pulled in all different types of ways. It means to be pulled away from or to be pulled towards something else. And some, there's some translations that actually even lean it towards the idea that being distracted is the same as trying to breathe in and out at the same time. Not in different moments but breathing in and out at the same time. It's impossible. You can't do it. If you try to do it, you will choke. You will not be able to breathe. This is what I think a divided heart might look like or it might sound like. You say things like, I know I should spend time in the morning reading my Bible and listening to God, but I just want to pray more. But I know I need to spend some time with the ones who are suffering. But I just wish I could take a few moments just to meditate on His Word. But I really want to get together with some friends. But I also need to connect and go to a weekly connect group and study the Word of God with people. But, 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 and all of a sudden we have this long list of buts. It's just this long list of reasons and excuses and things that we cannot do. And there's these things that keep getting added to it. But the kids have practice or training. But the car needs petrol. But the laundry isn't done. But the Zoom meeting call was too long. But the reports had to be done again. Oh, the hairdresser took too long. Oh, the refrigerator was empty. Oh, the dog got sick too soon. But the... I don't know why I said that. I put it in there myself. But the bills, the bills, were, the bills were due. And you can easily add more to the butt list. Don't let that sound inappropriate. And, and Martha is trying. And Martha's trying and, and Jesus knows that she's trying. Oh, she's trying to keep all the balls in the air at the same time. She's trying to meet all the expectations at once. Are you with me? She's, she's trying to breathe in and she's trying to breathe out at the same time. Oh, Martha knew what needed to be done to make this guest feel at home. So she pours herself out to the task with one goal in mind. She just wants to please Jesus. Oh, she has a pure heart. She has great intentions. But Jesus doesn't need you to please Him. Jesus doesn't need you to work so, you, so that He can be happy with you. He doesn't need you to do anything to make Him feel any better or pleased. God knows emotions, but He's not moved by those types of emotions. He's not going to be disappointed with you. He is disappointed if you get, dis if you get distracted. 
that came out really fast. He is disappointed if all you do is just get distracted and pulled away from him. He wants your undivided heart and your full attention. Your undivided heart and your full attention. That's the first thing, she was distracted. The second thing, she was worried. Jesus says, Martha, you're worried and you're upset about many things, but few things are needed. Few things are needed. I don't think when he says that she's worried that he's talking about the type of worry that relates to what might happen tomorrow. It's a biblical idea. Do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow has enough worries of itself. But I don't think he's talking about, hey, Martha, I know you're worried about paying the bills. He's not saying, I know you're worried about raising godly kids. He's not saying, ah, I know you're worried about some work deadline. I I feel like Martha's worry is different to that. It's more about what people might think about her. In fact, she might even be worried about what Jesus thinks about her. She now has Jesus in her house. And we have to assume that there were all these followers that came with him, all of these disciples that came along and, and maybe filled the house as well, as well. And now she's realized and noticed that the house needs some work done. I gotta get this place sorted out. Oh, this is not in tip-top shape. I need to, I need to get this thing ready for Jesus. Her actions or her distraction point out one thing, is that she believes that she isn't good enough to have Jesus in her house. She's the one who welcomed him in the first place, right? She welcomed him into her house, yet she is worried by the work that needs to be done to clean the house up. She wanted everything to be just perfect for her guest as he came. Just perfect. And that right there is the basis of all of humanity's struggle, of all of our struggles, trying to be perfect when it is unattainable, where it is a goal that we cannot reach, trying to make something perfect when it has nothing to do with us. Listen to this. This will bring freedom to someone's life this morning. Stop trying to make perfect something that you never could when all you have to do is allow the one who makes the perfect, makes us perfect in our lives, into our lives. For he is, of course, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. He's the one who starts it. He's the one who will finish it. Listen, you don't have to get your life cleaned up. You don't have to get your house cleaned up so that Jesus can come and feel comfortable around you. (laughs) It's like you don't have to get your life sorted and be a better person to follow Jesus. You just have to start being with Jesus and that's it. That's why it's step number one. We have to start here. If you don't believe that, it's like saying, I have to get clean before I have a shower. It's like saying that's, that's the way, that's the process, that's the step by step. You get in the shower and that's what cleans you up, right? Random. Same with Jesus. When you're with Jesus, if anything needs to get cleaned up in your life, guess what he'll do? He'll point it out. And, and man, if you really have given your heart to him, you will agree with him. Oh, you have this Holy Spirit conviction. Yep, there are some addictions that need to be broken. Oh, there are some beliefs that I need need to let go of. There are some some habits that I've held on to for years and years. But now that Jesus, you're in my life, I'm going to let go of them. I agree. And you're not on your own in that either. You agree with him that it needs to be cleaned up. And the two of you, you and Jesus, you'll work it out together. Don't allow the sin in your life to cause you to push Jesus away. Don't be worried about what people might think. Don't be worried about what you think Christians are thinking about you. Oh, the roof is not going to fall down on you in this place. Don't be worried about what Jesus might think, what you think he thinks. You should never come under the thought that you are not good enough. 
Truth is, none of us really are good enough, but we have Jesus. So we're all okay. If you had a real connection with Jesus, whatever that thing is, He will bring it out and He will help you clean it up. Romans 5 verse 1 says this, Therefore, and the band can join me, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to clean house. You don't have to try and please Him. You don't have to try and sort things out. Jesus will bring the justification. We are justified through Him, made righteous. And guess what we end up with? The Scripture says it. You will have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace, the opposite of worry. So Martha, stop worrying. Martha, stop worrying. You don't have to worry because the Prince of Peace, who brings the peace that transcends all understanding, has walked into the room, is sitting, in fact, in your living room. If only she just did what Mary did. If only she just did what Mary did. What did Mary do? What did Mary do? I just love this. I want to finish with this thought. Martha, she got distracted. She got worried. And Mary, she just sat with Jesus. She just sat with Jesus. Jesus says a few things are needed, or indeed there's only one thing. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. In my Bible, where it says, indeed only one, there is a little A, like a little point of, of, of reference, a lowercase a, linking reference to what the only one thing, or the one thing might potentially be. And it directs me in my Bible to Psalm 27, verse 4. Psalm 27, verse 4, which is David writing, One thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. That's the one thing, in case you are wondering. That is the one thing that Jesus points out. And Mary chose this. Mary chose what was best. Mary chose closeness. Mary chose just to get close to Him. I can just picture her just sitting and just staring up at Jesus and just gazing at Him. Gazing on, in this scripture it says, His beauty. Not in a romantic type of way, but just in a, I'm in awe type of way. In awe of who He is. Oh, I can't believe He's really here. Mary saying, I I can't believe we have Jesus in the room with us. She chose closeness over comfort. It says in the scripture that she actually sat down uh, at his feet, right? She sat down at his feet. And this is pretty incredible detail to point out. There were a few Marys that were actually in Jesus' close group. There was, of course, Jesus' mother, Mary. There was Mary Magdalene, the prostitute that Jesus had freed and, and forgiven early on in his ministry. And then there's this Mary, who's Mary from Bethany, who grew up close to Jesus, along with her sister Martha and Lazarus. And Jesus has this relationship with them. It's already there. It's already, it's already built. It's kind of a part of it. She was actually one of the women that would have helped to support Jesus in his ministry. There was this group of women who financially were there to help pay for things and sort things out throughout the journey of him and his, and his disciples. She was a wealthy person. She would have had a lot to bring to the table uh, to, to be able to help. Not sure what her husband did, doesn't record it. Um, probably pastor, uh, I don't know. That's a joke, <laughs> sorry. 
we can assume or imagine that this house is quite a nice house. Bit of creative license on it. There's a few couches. There's a bit of furniture. She might have even had a microwave. Who knows? <laughs> but for some reason, in this moment, this Mary, who's in this position, potentially already has the strength of relationship, who even has ownership of the house, just like Martha does, but she sits on the ground. She chooses to sit on, on the ground. Maybe all the seating options were taken up. Maybe the room was too full. Maybe there was just people crowded every Maybe it was standing room only. But for some reason, she chooses to sit at the feet of Jesus. She's just sitting on the ground. It's a powerful image sitting with Jesus. It's a humble image sitting with Jesus. It's an incredibly challenging image because sometimes when we get close to Jesus and for us to understand and, and really get close to Him, we have to experience a little bit of discomfort. We have to experience a little bit of discomfort. Sometimes being a friend of God is not always the easiest option. Sometimes your closeness with God will cause you to get a little bit outside of your comfort zone, but it is that closeness with God that will change your life. Oh, it's that closeness with Jesus that will help you and shape you into who He really wants you to be. Mary and Martha, they're in the same house. They're getting a different experience. Oh, how can we be in the same house and be treating Jesus in different ways? It's all about, as Shelley talked about before, just opening our heart to Him. Just opening your heart to Him and understanding that you're not here as a servant, you're not here to just get work done. Yes, we serve God. Oh yes, we should never pull Him down from the high place. He is our almighty God. Oh, but, but I serve Him as a friend. I serve Him through relationship. It means that I, I don't know how you feel right now. I don't have to be here. Oh man, I want to be here. I don't have to live out this calling that I feel God's placed on my life. But I want to. How can, I, how can I not? I've experienced the love of God. And maybe you have as well. And you kind of know, you just, you just can't turn away from it. I talked with someone recently who said, man, there's so much going on in our life. In fact, even just the idea of coming to church is so hard. And we ask ourselves, a husband and wife, we ask ourselves, why are we still trying to do this? Why are we still trying to go to church? Oh, we can't get the kids there, man. And, and even when we do, it's just a mission and, and it's just stress and, and there's stuff going on at home and business that's not great. And, and we kind of just think, man, it would just make sense for us to give up church. But they can't because there's this deep heart connection that's happened. And so they keep on turning up and they keep on coming to this moment where they're now just sitting with Jesus, just sitting with Jesus. I love this thought. He is our Almighty God. He is the Maker of the universe. He's the Lord of hosts. He's Heaven's King. He is our God of absolute endless worth. His Kingdom stands above everything in all of creation, above every power. His world is above every living soul. His love is like the sun, faithful, always true. His Spirit covers all parts of life and creation and He calls us friend. He just wants you. No distraction, no worry, nothing in between us and God. He just wants a life committed to being with Jesus.
So at this point in the journey as a church, let's continue to not just allow Encounter Week to be Encounter Week, but this is a life of encounter. It's ongoing. It's every single day. It's every single moment. I just wanna be with Jesus. I just wanna be with Jesus. I wanna finish. I wanna pray for some people. I wanna pray for anyone that doesn't believe this message. I wanna pray for anyone who doesn't accept this. Maybe you just don't accept the thought that you are accepted by God as a friend. The idea that you could possibly be considered as a friend of God. You struggle with the idea that you would ever be good enough. That, and, you, and you just wonder what God thinks about you. Maybe you worry about what others think when you come into a place like this. You've thought that you've removed yourself from the qualification of the love of God, but you need to know today that Jesus is for you, that He has made a way for you so that you could be in close relationship with Him and so that we don't have to make it happen by ourselves. We don't have to work, we don't have to strive, but we're able to just be with Him. Don't worry about all that other stuff. Just worry about making Him your priority and your goal. The only thing that matters is that you come to Jesus. Maybe you're distracted today. Maybe you feel like you're just busy all the time and all you're doing is just focusing on the things that you need to do. I'm just doing my thing for God. And that's it. And it's like all you do is you just give out and you give out and you feel like you're just pouring out so much so that you're running on empty and there's this emptiness to your life. Man, God wants to pour into you today. You're not sure even today what you're gonna get out of this, but there's a God who wants to pour into your life, who wants to know you, who wants you to know that there is much more than just doing stuff for Him. There's much more to life than just doing stuff for Him, but it is actually what you were created for. Your main purpose is relationship with Jesus. With every eye closed, Father, I thank You right now that You call us friend. You set us apart. Oh Lord, You set us aside. You see us differently. Father, I pray right now for every single person in this room, whether they're worried about what people think or whether they feel disconnected from the love of God. He loves you so much. He knows you and He sees you and He understands what you're going through. And even when you get caught up trying to tidy your house, when you get caught up trying to clean things up, Jesus knows what you're worried about. Jesus knows what you're thinking. And I just pray right now for that to be broken off your life in the mighty Name of Jesus, that there would be a peace that comes over your world. No more worry, just peace, just peace, just peace. There's someone here in the room this morning and you, uh, you feel like you need to perform your way to Jesus Christ, but there is nothing that you can do. There's nothing that you need to do. You just need to accept Him. You just need to accept Him. Let me put it this way. You don't have to prove yourself to Him. You don't have to prove yourself to Him. But the world says, show us what you're worth. Jesus is like, hey, just so you know, your worth, your value is wrapped up in my life, in Jesus' life. Father, I just thank You that You take our worry, You replace it with peace. For the person in the room that feels distracted and feels like they're just being torn in all different directions, I pray that we would today know what it is to, to have a undivided heart and a focused attention on Jesus, on where He is leading us. Oh, we wanna do great things for Him. Oh, we wanna be like Him. But right now, let's put a stake in the ground. I'm just gonna be with Jesus. Oh, for the rest of today, I'm just gonna live my life like I know I'm with Him and that He's with me. 
Oh, the Word says that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because I am confident that God is with me. And not only is God with me, but I'm declaring today, come on church, that I am with Him, that I am with Him, that I'm coming alongside Him, that I'm like Mary and I'm sitting down at the feet of Jesus just to glean and to hear what He has to say. Thank You, Father. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info or visit our website.